You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. God may never let you have the gratification of knowing whether or not someone was benefited from your ministry. You need to know that if God called you to it, that it's not foolish, that there is a purpose behind it, and we will understand it better by and by. Amen, church. And so I want to encourage you today in your walk with God that whatever God has put you into in terms of ministry, that you just be faithful to what God has called you to do. Amen. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a mission. There's something God has called you to do. There's something God has called you to that's unique for you, and He's going to give you what you need to complete it. But as Pastor Gary will explain today, God might not show you the results of your work. You may go your entire life following and obeying and doing the work and not see the fruit of your labor. Does that mean you should give up? Of course not. Continue to be faithful to what the Lord has called you to. It's for His glory. Anyway, now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. As he begins his message, leave it all on the field. There's nothing like the preaching of the Word that God can use to change a heart. I love the singing. Love, love, love it. And indeed, there's a lot of preaching in the music. But the Bible does say that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching, amen, to confound the wise. And so sometimes people look at preaching as if it's foolish, amen. But God didn't choose foolish preaching. He chose the foolishness of preaching. There's a difference. Amen. There's a big difference. I pray that I don't get up here and act foolish. I pray that I don't get up here and say something foolish, right? And, and you pray the same thing, hopefully. Lord, help our preacher stay in that book, be true and straight. But sometimes human error kicks in, don't it? But God said that he chose the foolishness of, and, and who's it foolish to? It's not foolish to those of us who are saved. It's foolish to the world. That's why they don't see no point in going to church. Amen? That ought to motivate us to win them at all costs because they don't know what they're missing. Amen? People do not know what they're missing. Lost people in this world, they don't know why we do all this. It's, it's the power of God to us. And if we could get them in here, if we can get them under the preaching of the Word, if you can bring the Word to them, the Word has the power to make them a believer. Amen? And so it's our job as God's people, as God's children, to cultivate an atmosphere of preaching and declaring the Word of God. Amen? Open your Bibles at the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12. And we'll look at verses 1 through 3. And uh, I will be as mindful as of the time as the Holy Ghost will allow. But I would ask that you would also participate in the patience sometimes that is required to let the Lord have his full say in our services. Amen. Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 through 3, where the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which do so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Now, I want to look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 uh, as our focus. Specifically, the phrase, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us. Today, I want to preach on leave it all in the field. Now, notably, I'm not a good sports buddy. I'm the one that's shouting touchdown when someone gets a three-pointer in a basketball game. Amen. <laughs> and so in keeping with my tendencies to mix the sports lingo, I'm using what I think is a common phrase in football for a sermon about the race. Amen. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, we're going to preach on how to leave it all on the field. Amen. This idiom from professional sports refers to exhausting all possible efforts to win, either individually or as a team. Figuratively, this refers to leaving one's sweat, blood, and tears on the playing field. This represents being sincere in one's effort to achieve victory, but does not refer to cheating or other morally questionable methods. It refers simply to hard work and exertion to the end that you win the game. And so in football, there is no shame in being, for example, there's no shame in being defeated, they say, as long as you, quote, leave it all on the field, end quote. And I want you to think about something. Regardless of your successes or failures in life, are you giving it all for God? I mean, really, are you giving it all to God. Hey, can you honestly say that you, there's nothing that you left on the field, that you, you put 110% in to your walk with God and God's purpose for your life? I want you to think about this for a minute. You can put 110% in and sometimes it looks like you're still losing. Sometimes it looks like it's not paying off. But what God is looking for are people who will do what God has called them to do, irregardless of whether you see the benefit or feel the pain. Amen. And trust that God is keeping the score. When we do the work of the Lord, only God can keep the score. And He does not give us a scoreboard to look at. He gives us Jesus to look at. Somebody say amen right there. He gives us the book to look at. And that is how you gauge whether or not you are being quote unquote successful is whether or not you are doing it by the book, not whether or not it's producing your personal desired results. And so I want to preach on how to leave it all behind. But I want, I mean, how to leave it all on the field. I want you to think about what Paul the Apostle said. And I'll quote it for you. He said that we are to run that we may obtain. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Run that you may obtain. 
In other words, get involved as if you are going to be successful, even if right now in the moment there is not a winning score yet. Amen. Uh, Many of you who watch sports know that there are times that if a team who is losing and losing badly is not careful, they will give up before the game is over. And they will quit putting their best in before the game is over. And a lot of times what the devil does is he uses discouragement in mine and your life and causes us to think that what we're doing for God is not really making a difference. And we got to be mentally tough. We've got to be able to endure hardness. We've got to be able to understand that if the Bible has instructed me to do it, regardless of whether or not I am reaping a harvest, I've got to trust that God's word will in fact perform what he sent it to perform, regardless of whether or not I personally see it with my own eyes. And that's why a lot of times we do things in ministry that often can be discouraging if we measure it by the kind of responses that we either get or don't get from people. It's especially discouraging when you have a radio ministry on three radio stations every week and you don't get a single phone call or a single email or a single text for somebody saying, I heard your message and I appreciate it what you're doing. It's discouraging if you base it on the kind of response you get from men. But it's encouraging when you realize that God opened the door, God told you to walk through it, God financed it, and God is the one doing the ministry, and you're trusting that God knows what he is doing. Too many people quit before the finish line because they're measuring success upon what they can see visually, not understanding that this whole journey I'm talking about from start to finish is a faith journey. God may never let you have the gratification of knowing whether or not someone was benefited from your ministry. You need to know that if God called you to it, that it's not foolish, that there is a purpose behind it, and we will understand it better by and by. Amen, church. And so I want to encourage you today in your walk with God that whatever God has put you into in terms of ministry, that you just be faithful to what God has called you to do. Amen. I know sometimes as a church it gets discouraging. We put forth great effort in planning events sometimes, and sometimes we have uh, the desire attendance we want and sometimes we don't and if the devil were to have his way everybody would be so discouraged that they would say well nobody else is coming I don't know why I should even come and he'll talk you into laying out because you think it doesn't really make any difference whether or not I come to church anyway I, I don't see the big deal and the devil will talk you right out of one of the biggest blessings of your life amen I'm talking about leaving it all on the field amen I, I want to give you quickly three things number one you need to know You need to know your why. You need to know why we're in this thing. Look at our text again in verse 1. It said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, I know that this is right behind what we call the great hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. And many times it is interpreted that in light of the fact that we have such a great legacy of faith to continue on, and they refer to the cloud of witnesses as those great heroes of faith in chapter 11 that were mentioned. 
A lot of times we interpret it in that way. But I, I don't really think that that is what it's saying. I, I, it, says, uh, it says, look at the text again. Uh, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about. It's saying that we have something that the heroes of faith had as well. They were compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. And we are compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses. What he's talking about is simply this. There are people watching. There are people in this earth paying attention to your life. And we don't need to do what we do for God because somebody in heaven's watching and they're keeping score and I'd hate to disappoint them. It's bigger than that. You're trying to influence souls of men to give their heart and life to Jesus Christ in your immediate sphere of influence. The cloud of witnesses that you need to worry about are not the ones that are already in heaven, but the ones that desperately need to figure out the way to get there. Can I get another amen? And so God help us uh, to leave it all on the field. I mean, I'm talking about in the here and the now to focus on what it is that God would have us to do because eternity is forever and we don't have long till we're there. But while we're here, we need to make the difference that God has sent us to make to reach the ones that most desperately need to hear the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you need to know your why. Why do we do this? Because people are watching. People need the Lord. People need to hear and know that there is a gospel that can deliver them out of all their bondages, all of their fears, uh, that will give them peace and understanding, that will give them satisfaction in life. This world needs desperately to know uh, that the only answer for this world is in Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is the cloud of witnesses that we are called uh, to represent Jesus Christ to. Some actually are looking for inspiration. Your children, your grandchildren, those uh, that you love dearest, uh, uh, most desperately are looking for any kind of inspiration, any godly example, someone that will show them what it looks like and what it means to be sold out to Jesus, to live for God. And I'm telling you, mamas and daddies, uh, be very careful what you say, what you do, and where you go because you have a great cloud of witnesses paying attention to every single thing you say and do, uh, and they will become replicas of what they hear and see. And if you're not careful, you'll produce a cheap carbon copy of your old sinful self because you're not being careful about behaving like you're supposed to behave around those that are paying attention to you amen. amen god help us today to leave it all on the field when it comes to serving god don't leave any stone unturned how many analogies can i use focus on the people around you think about them but somebody might say well brother gary i live my own life i'm going to do my own thing and ain't nobody going to tell me what to do well, you go right on ahead then and live your stubborn, hard-headed life and you'll be miserable and lonely on your deathbed and you'll still have to face God and regret the day that you didn't soften your heart, humble yourself, and get right with God. Amen. I mean, you can go your own way if you want to. You can choose your course of action, but you certainly cannot choose your consequences. Because the Bible says, Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And you would be a fool to think that you'd be the first to come along and sow Wild oats and never reap the same. So you better be careful. People are watching. People are listening. People are hearing. Amen. Daddy, if you have a, a problem with pornography, 
and your children know about that or if they find out about that, how devastating might that be to them? You need to get victory for their sake. Amen. If you've got problems with alcohol or addictions of any kind, you need to get victory for their sake. I remember when I was eight years old, asking my daddy, when could I start drinking? I was ready. You see how early it starts? They watch you. They watch your every move. And you cannot say, do as I say, not as I do. That's heresy. That's a line of the devil. They're watching you. And you preach more by what you do than by what you say. Because people don't believe what's coming off your lips till they see it in action. Because talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. Am I being real this morning? So you got to know your why. I've got five sons looking up to me. God help me not to fail them. God help me to set a goodly and a godly example for my wife and my children. Because I pray one day the only chance of them ever becoming what God wants them to be from my perspective as a father is if I personally do not become a stumbling block to them. It would serve a great hindrance to them for me to preach one thing and live another. And our churches are full of people that preach one thing and live something completely different. And then they wonder why uh, over 70% of children raised in evangelical homes abandon their faith by their freshman year of college. It's because somebody didn't leave it all on the field. Somebody didn't die to self and say, you know what, what's more important than my own agenda and my own preferences and my own ideology is that Jesus Christ be lifted up and glorified and all men drawn to him. And God help us to learn how to pay the sacrifices that it takes to live a godly life in front of those watching us. Amen. To God be the glory. We got to know our why. Amen. People are watching us but i gotta hurry secondly i want to say this you gotta know your weaknesses you gotta know your weaknesses it's in the text it said uh, let us lay aside every weight and sin weights and sins this indicates that they're not always the same sin is a great weight But the Bible is teaching us even that there are some things that you can get involved with that in and of themselves are not sin, but they become a weight to what it is that you need to be doing for God. For example, it is a great thing for a man to be a family man, to love his family and to spend time with his family. But I'm seeing a growing trend in our churches today where godly men, no doubt, at first maybe, I don't question their hearts so much as maybe the way they're being misled. I think sometimes maybe good people in a bad situation. But what happens is this. They say, I'm going to have to spend some time with my family, and Sunday's the only day I got. And what do they do? They don't go to church. They go to the lake. In and of itself, going to the lake is not a bad thing. But when it becomes more important than being obedient to the Scripture, it becomes a sin. You see how weights can become sin? And a lot of times we get our priorities out of order. A lot of times we do things that we mean well by, 
But we're out of balance. And because we're out of balance, we sin even in the good that we're trying to do. And so the Bible teaches us that those weights and those sins are weaknesses that will hinder us from running the race and running it well. Think about, for example, if you were to be running a race, you would not want weights tied to your ankles trying to win that race. Amen. I know that for me personally to lay aside my weight, I'd have to lose a lot of fat because uh, I, I've got natural weight. Amen. And it's going to take me a lot longer to get ready for racing some of you. Amen. And I know better than to enter into a race because I've got too much weight holding me back. Now, some of you know better than to jump in and serve God because you know the things you're doing are not right. And you know the things that you, where you're supposed to be. And instead of getting it right and then getting in the race, you choose to live with your weight. You choose to live with your sin. And the Bible teaches us to lay aside those things amen let me ask you a question has the devil been successful in your life has the devil been successful in your life you know what satan's objective is is to use your hindrances and your sins to oppose you from being successful in the eyes of god to defeat your hopes and aspirations of being what god called you to be is he successful Let me say this, anything that hinders you from doing God's will, be it sin or not, needs to be laid aside. It needs to be laid aside. That's what the Bible means when it says, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto all the things that we're cumbered about and worried about in life, all the things that we stress over, our money, our careers, all these things that We need to feed the flesh and to survive and to live and to move on. God says, if you'll put me first, I'll take care of the rest. Amen. If you'll put me first, I'll take care of the rest. But so many people, Brother Ron, are unwilling to lay aside that heavy weight. And they think they're going to win carrying the weight, but they're not going to win. You're not going to win in life carrying your weights. You're not going to win your kids to God carrying your weights. And your sins. It's not going to happen. You need to set an example. It's called leadership. Amen. It's called leadership. I'll go a step further. It's called servanthood leadership. You lead them by serving. You lead them by example. Amen. And if you want your kids to know how to lay aside weights and sins, you've got to illustrate that in your own life. You've got to show them, hey, this is how you repent. And you've got to be the one they need to hear you one day call somebody and apologize to them because you was wrong. And it would do them some good to see you humble yourself and make an apology. Because they need that example of what it looks like for an imperfect human to be willing to admit they're imperfect and they're not right and that they should have done something different. But as long as you keep pretending you're perfect, they just need to keep their mouth shut and do what you say and not as you do. And you don't own up to your weights and your sins. They will look at you as a hypocrite and lose all respect for you. We got to lay aside those weights. Put them away. Amen. I'm talking about what it means to leave it all on the field. We got to know why we're in it, but we also need to know what weaknesses we have so that we can identify them and lay them aside. Ask God, when was the last time you asked the Lord to see if there be any wicked way in you like David did? He said, create within me a clean heart, O God, 
and renew a right spirit within me. And he prayed that God would inspect his heart to see and determine if there's any wickedness or any sin. Most of us are too afraid to ask God that. Because first, we don't want to hear it. And secondly, if we do want to hear it, we're probably not willing to go through the painful process of admitting our guilt and then laying it aside. Thanks for listening today to Pastor Gary's message on True North. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an edition. If you've enjoyed today's message, please leave us a note in the comments and be sure to share these teachings with others. True North is a part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more by visiting our website, garycottle.com. Is there something we could be praying for in your life right now? Let Pastor Gary know by sending an email to contact at garycottle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. Would you do something for us too? Would you pray for this ministry of True North? We want to make sure we're following God's plans for us at all times, with courage to step out in faith and humility to allow Him to work. Please pray that we'd stay tethered to the Lord always. Would you also pray for others who will be listening to this broadcast? Pray that God will open ears and hearts to His truth, and that many will come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. Our time with you is up for today, but thanks for joining us for this edition of True North.